Welcome to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, a relaxing and informative show where we explore anxiety, panic, and PTSD, sharing how you can overcome them for life. Aloha, welcome back to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Today I have a special guest. I have Rachel Coleman with me and she is our coach here at the Anxiety Coaches Podcast and an active coach on the Facebook group and um, she's amazing. So we're going to talk today about self-love, about self-kindness and self-compassion and how this really is a very important tool in our uh, toolbox for healing our anxiety. All right, Rachel, thank you for being here today. How are you? Doing well. Glad to be on again. Good to have you. It's just hard to snag you sometimes. You're a very, <laughs> very busy woman. I am a busy gal, that is for sure. Yeah. And so what do you think about what we're going to talk about today? Self-love and self-compassion about and all of that around our anxiety. Very extremely important. Cannot say that enough. Um, You know, for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people um, who are listening today, um, we get, you know, to the point in our lives before the anxiety comes in and we kind of run ourselves thin. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that was your experience too, Gina, but I was running myself thin. I was doing too much stuff. Um, and it wasn't so much that I was doing too much stuff, but I wasn't making sure that I was taking care of myself, that I was, um, being loving to myself. I love the self-compassion. That's, that's so huge with anxiety as well, but I was not having that compassion with myself. Um, so I was beating myself up and I was run down and then the anxiety came. Um, and in my journey through recovery, Um, I learned something that I didn't have before I went through that, um, was self-love, loving oneself, learning to love our, our own company, you know, and not necessarily the company of others. Um, and I think there's a lot of us out there. I was one of them who suffered, um, with anxiety in terms of not wanting to be alone, being fearful to be alone, Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, I noticed looking back, you know, now having been recovered, I kind of never really wanted to be alone before anxiety. Um, I was always trying to stay busy, trying to do stuff. And through my recovery process, I was able to learn to love myself. Um, Part of, you know, the recovery process for me was being compassionate with myself. You know, we're going to have bad days. They're not always going to be good days. We know that, especially when we're in the throes of it and being able to tell myself it's okay to have a bad day. Yes, we have anxiety, but even if we didn't have anxiety, we have good days and we have bad days. And those are the same when we're going through anxiety and being able to tell myself that it's okay. It's okay not to be perfect. Um, It's okay not to always. Yes, it's okay not to always do everything. Um with that ending outcome being perfection, you know? (laughs) And so self-compassion 
is huge. Um, being gentle with ourselves. And you say that a lot in the Facebook group. And I love that, you know, being kind to ourselves, being gentle to ourselves. I think that that's a really huge on our way to recovery because those negative self-talk thoughts that we have really reinforce that vicious cycle of anxiety. Um, when we're telling ourselves we're not doing this right, we should be better than this. And we're saying all those negative things. Um, and I can remember doing that. I can also remember, um, you know, knowing that I needed to recognize that I was doing that. And I, uh, actually had a journal where I'd write all this down. And I remember the first day that I did it, I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, I am so cruel to myself. Yeah, we and wouldn't be, that, we wouldn't be that cruel to anybody else, would we? No, no, we would not be that way to the people that we love, you know? And that's why the self-love is so important to be able to um, to love yourself, to be able to fall in love with yourself. And and when I say that, I mean that very figuratively, to fall in love with ourselves mm-hmm. um, and enjoy the person that we are and enjoy our strengths and focus on those and not focus on things that we may not be good at. You know, every single human being, you and I, we have our strengths and we have our weaknesses and, you know, um, we need to build upon the strengths. Yeah. And stop judging. Absolutely. Yeah. We judge ourselves way too much. Yeah. When, when I first, you know, went through that day and um, I looked at my piece of paper at the end of the day, I could, I didn't even know that I was being so negative to myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I was being so cruel to myself. And I don't think that we really pay attention very much a lot to those thoughts when we're telling ourselves that, you know, Um, like, like you said earlier, we wouldn't treat our child, our grandchild, our brother, our sister, our mother, our father that way. Um, why would we treat ourselves that way? You know, but when it's talking about ourselves, we don't really pay attention to what we're saying to our, to ourselves, you know, to those negative self-talk. Have you tried one skin for your skincare routine yet? I love the simplicity of these products and the medical grade ingredients in them, not to mention how easily they fit into my skincare routine. The OS1 Face Moisturizer and OS1 Eye Cream make skin look visibly smoother and clearer and immediately feel softer and more hydrated. The secret is One Skin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It's the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin, and several studies back it up. So if you're tired of cycling through ineffective skincare trends and overcomplicated routines, then I'm so excited to share with you One Skin, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. OneSkin is the world's first longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ACP at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ACP. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. We're also also raised in a culture that thinks that we are all uh, self-improvement projects. You know, like, 
we are we we need to keep improving and so we're constantly evaluating ourselves versus mm -hmm. and so there's no um self-compassion there or kindness no. it's usually with a whip you know mm -hmm. so. and it's always how much further can we get how much right. better can we get instead of wow i'm really enjoying this right here yeah right. <laughs> right. it's all in the future really enjoying yeah. the moment right here mm -hmm. um and i think it's important um i'd like to actually share a story mm -hmm. um and, you know, some of my, my clients have heard this story before. The biggest thing that I think about anxiety when it comes to the negative self-talk, the way that we look at ourselves, it's a lie. It's, it's our own version of what we feel like that we are. Um, and if it's a negative thought, it's typically not a true thought. So I'm going to share a story um with you guys this is more of like a body image thing and of course with anxiety it can be body image it can go deeper than that um but this one was really interesting to me i have extremely curly hair um yes, i'm talking does. really curly hair <laughs> <laughs> and i always had really long hair when i was young and my family and then my classmates started calling me medusa um, for those of you not familiar with Medusa, she is um, a goddess, um, a Greek goddess who, um, and when I say goddess, she's not pretty. <laughs> she has snakes coming out of her hair. She's typically represented with red eyes, fangy teeth. Um, you know, and I always kind of, I don't think that my family really meant for that to be like this negative connotation when it comes to my hair. But that's how I took it. So I always saw my hair as ugly. I visually saw my hair as ugly. Okay. So I was involved in choir. Um, I was probably 13, 14 years old. And we did what's called a magical dinner where we all sing um, in the medieval theme for, you know, everybody that bought a ticket. And there was lots of pictures taken. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there with my two best friend twins, um, Connie and Carrie on either side. And we're looking through the pictures weeks later, you know, um, as they got developed, not instantly as we can today. <laughs> that must have been back <laughs> in the day. It was the 90s, back in the day. Um, so we're sitting there flipping and I was like flipping through the pictures. And I said, oh, my gosh, she has the most beautiful hair. I wish my hair looked like that. And so in this moment, I'm looking at this picture and I am seeing this person's hair for exactly what it was. And I loved it. I wanted it. And my two best friends look over towards me and they're like, Rachel, that's you. That's your hair. So that is a huge, you know, um, it was a, just a huge lesson for me to learn and a good lesson, especially at that age. You know, young girls usually have quite a lot of things they try to not like about themselves instead right. of loving what they have. So that was a huge lesson because I loved my hair. Mm -hmm. I just had no idea that I did because I let all of these thoughts inside of my head tell me that my hair was ugly. And it wasn't that I didn't see my hair in the mirror. It wasn't that, you know, I didn't spend time fixing it in the morning, but I had never looked at it as someone else's hair. I'd always, you know, come from that from a, um, a self perspective. So I was already expecting to see something negative, expecting to see snakes out of the hair. And in reality, I absolutely loved my hair. And that's, that was a good lesson for me to learn 
um, in self, self love, you know, at that age. And I, you know, had forgotten about it until I was actually going through recovery and we were, you know, thinking about, you know, all the thoughts that, that we have, all the negative thoughts. And I was, you know, trying to replace those with positive thoughts. And I got to thinking about that day and how important that was. And a light bulb just, you know, flipped for me. These thoughts that I'm having, these negative thoughts where I'm bringing myself down, aren't mm-hmm. the truth. They're right. probably not the truth, you know? <laughs> And yes, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, but I think that it's important to pay attention to our strengths because they can help our weaknesses. Um, you know, for instance, I'm a very good talker. I can talk for a long, long time. Jeannie, you know this. <laughs> all of my clients know it. Um, I'm a huge talker. Sometimes I need to be quiet. You know, I'm not so good at it at shutting up when I need to, you know. But I, you know, have that strength. That's what's able to help me be a social worker during the day, right. a coach by night, mm-hmm. you know, that, that has helped me so much be able to help other people, you know. So I build upon that strength um, in my life. And I think it's really important to think about what strengths that we have and focus on those because we cannot be perfect at everything. I cannot draw to save my life, Okay. Right. Those coloring books, I love them. My daughter does them. I see where they would be really, really, really good. I can't color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's not your thing. I'm like a kindergartner. I can't keep it within the lines, you know. But that's okay because <laughs> I'm really good at having a nice deep conversation or I've become really, really good at, you know, meditating yeah. and, and being by myself, you know. So I use my strengths um, with my toolbox, you know, for stress. Um, and it works for me, you know, um, and that's kind of what I worked on through self-care was looking at my strengths. What are the things that I'm good at? Um, and one of those things, and I want to bring this up about, um, about self-love as well. One of my biggest strengths was my biggest downfall before I went through anxiety. And that was, I love to help people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was helping everybody but myself. Yeah. I could still be a you know, I, I could be someone that was able to help you um, and help myself, but I can't do both. So here I was taking care of everybody and then I had anxiety and I couldn't take care of anybody. You know? right. Yeah. <laughs> so I came to the realization I'm going to have to take care of myself if I want to be able to help other people. Right. You know, at the time I had a daughter, um, you know, and family that came to me for everything. I was like, you know, 25 and I was like the grandma for everybody at 25 years old. (laughs) We all come to Rachel for help, you know? So it's very, very important in, in, you know, our recovery process to always be compassionate with ourselves, to love ourselves, being able to be someone that helps other people. And that was my big strength. Right. I, I did it too much. I became too thin um, too frazzled. And that's when the anxiety kept crept in. And I was not able to help anybody anymore because I broke. I mean, that's literally kind of the way that we put it. I did too much. I was not, um, taking care of myself at the same time I was taking care of everybody else and I broke. And that's Mm -hmm. where, you know, that's where it all kind of went. And then through anxiety, um, and through recovery. And I think that going through anxiety, 
um, for me was a blessing because I would have never discovered self-love. Um, I would have never, um, discovered just spending a alone time with myself. It's not something that I did before I went through anxiety. I was constantly, you know, family gatherings. Let me help you do this. Let me help you do that. Right. And now I'm like, no, I'm going to go read a book. I'm yeah. going to watch Netflix for half a day. <laughs> right. You know Whereas how to take your time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So self-love um, and self-compassion. I love self-compassion all almost even more than the word self-love. I just do being compassionate with ourselves, allowing ourselves to go through this process of recovery, to have the ups and downs because nothing's ever going to be 100% perfect. Um, life is not like that. So being gentle with ourselves as we're going through recovery, um, and giving ourselves understanding is really important. We have a bad day. That's okay. We have another, another day to go to, you know, um, so th- yes, that, that would be, um, I could probably talk for hours about self-love. <laughs> and Rachel, one of the ways that I like to introduce that to people is through the loving kindness meditation, mm-hmm. um, to be able to sit and, um, though, especially for people who are, are taking care of others or who are very mm-hmm. easy to want to help the world, um, mm-hmm. In the Buddhist tradition um, of loving-kindness meditation, you start with yourself. And actually, that is the hardest place for most people to begin because they yes. go, oh, no, I can offer, you know, um, you know, may all beings have peace. May all beings be well. But to ask that for themselves feels so difficult. And um, I know the Buddha always the Buddha is quoted as saying that you cannot um, offer this to anyone until you have offered it to yourself first. So I absolutely believe that to be true. And, and that is true in most um, religious traditions, and, mm-hmm. and it's good psychology. So mm-hmm. I love turning people on to the loving-kindness meditation, and we have a recording of it on podcast number 147. So if anyone is interested in doing the loving kindness to learn a little bit more self-compassion and self-love and and getting it from that deep um, place. Not It's not fluffy. It's not conceited. It's not all about mm-hmm. me. It's actually um, taking good care of yourself mm-hmm. so that you can be there for more in the world. So um, before we close up, Rachel, do you have any any last words on steps to uh, helping people learn self-compassion or, or self-love? You know, I, I have to agree with you. The loving kindness meditation, number 147, if you're struggling um, in your recovery, start there. Yeah. I think that, that that's, that's a very good start. And, and with all of the different people that I've worked with, this has always been that big hurdle to overcome before we got to the recovery stage um, or to towards the end of the recovery stage. We had to overcome that hurdle of making sure that we put ourselves up there with everybody else, you know, and and I absolutely, you know, just love. We cannot take care of anybody else until we take care of ourselves. Yeah. Um, 
So that's that's what I would say. You know, if you're listening to this podcast and and you're struggling, number 147. Check it out. And that's it, folks. Self-love is good medicine. Good medicine for the anxiety. So thank you, Rachel, so much for being here. I know that uh, people will be looking for you on the Facebook group. Will you come back again? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. Well, we will look forward to that. And uh, everyone who's listening, I appreciate you being here. I thank you once again for joining us. And if you want to catch Rachel again, you're going to have to keep tuning in. I'm going to try to snag her a little more often. I'll be back in a few more days with another podcast. Until then, be well and aloha. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Find more information at theanxietycoachespodcast.com.